everybody it's another episode of beyond queer stories today our guest is jess jess cromer grew up in a suburb of boston massachusetts and moved out here to the windy city on a whim in 2013 since then her work has been featured in the misspoken story series as well as poetry's love letter in her free time she enjoys gardening writing crafting spending time with her husband and daughter and candle making you can find her musings at indefinitelyjess.com all right so to start us off, what identities do you feel most influence your experiences? I identify myself as bisexual um, mm-hmm. as well as non-binary. How do you feel those kind of impact your like daily experiences or life experiences generally? I get asked a lot of stupid questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, being bisexual, I, I married a man, a cis-hetero man, mm-hmm. uh, and we have a daughter together. And so I get a lot of oh, so you're straight. Oh, it was just a phase. What does your husband think about it? Do you have threesomes? Like mm-hmm. all these really stupid, personal, off-color questions mm-hmm. that are just like really inappropriate uh, to ask um, people yeah. with queer identities. In terms of the non-binary identity, I actually recently came to terms with my non-binary identity shortly after my daughter was born, which is really interesting to think. (laughs) Um, Just kind of being able to calculate all these feelings and all these thoughts I've had as long as I can remember. And so I think, you know, in terms of my day-to-day life, I think about, you know, myself and my identity in terms of my parenting style Mm -hmm. and what I want to teach my daughter and what kinds of things that I want to normalize as early on as humanly possible. But also um, there was actually a little hiccup um, a few months ago involving my parenting. Um, At daycare, uh, my daughter has this favorite doll and she like walks around with it and she pats it on the back. It's like the cutest thing in the whole world. (laughs) And the uh, daycare director was like, hey, does Sadie have any dolls at home? She had stuffed animals, but she had no dolls. Mm-hmm. And in me being like overly cautious to like make sure like we don't over feminize her at such an early age, we did not get her any dolls. But as luck would have it, my friend's mom, who we consider an honorary grandmother to my daughter, had sent her an early birthday present and it was a doll. So <laughs> I'm just like, okay, like I, I don't want to put like feminine equals bad or mm-hmm. but like neutral right. and masculine equal good. Like I want to make sure that I expose her to as much as humanly possible, but I don't want to raise her in the essence that the way that I was raised, and I'm sure a lot of uh, women or, you know, girls grew up in the 90s with just like hyper feminine, pink everything, mm-hmm. girly, 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 East Bay Govins, that whole thing. So just making sure that I give her the opportunity to realize like this is a path, but it's not the only path. And you can pick mm-hmm. A and B, you can pick one or the other or a combination. So yeah, just something that I've been considering while parenting my very little one. (laughs) Yeah, so important. Yeah. We were just kind of talking about this a little bit on our last episode, actually, about, like, gendered kids' clothing and baby clothing and all of that. How did you navigate that? I feel like it's a hard workaround because it's marketed that way so strongly. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, Early on, it wasn't too difficult for my husband and I just because – 
she wore exclusively PJs because we were Aww. new parents and that was the easiest to put our newborn in and out. Yeah. Um, and But it's interesting though, because in terms of my husband and I, you know, we've actually done our best to make sure, like, how do I say this? When we had our baby shower, she got so much pink. She got so many frilly dresses and she mm-hmm. got like these cute little baby shoes. Right. And I'm more of efficiency and practicality. Like mm-hmm. I have a newborn and she's wiggling all over the place. I'm not going to put her in this big poofy dress that she right. can't move around. <laughs> How do in. I change the diaper? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like sometimes I look at like, in per- it, and it's funny because like clothes that are marketed to little boys are super efficient. They have like mm-hmm. the easy off snaps, but with girl stuff, it's just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> to get them naked to change. Them. Yeah, it, it, it's terrible. Yeah. And um, so early on, it wasn't too difficult. But like, I was at Babies R Us. Um, like, may she rest in peace. Uh, and <laughs> I was getting some clothing for my daughter. And I look at the girl stuff. And there's like onesies that say like, believe in yourself. And like, mommy's bestie. Yes, believe in I roll for days. From a- I'm not even kidding. I'm not even kidding. Oh but like, gosh, boys were so just unnecessary. like, boys were just like, tough like dad. And I'm just like, what in the fresh hell? Like, <laughs> you know, and it, it's oh just my gosh, kind of I have like, feelings right now. <laughs> it, it was terrible. It yeah. was really terrible. So, you know, at, at this point, my daughter is 15 months old. And so we're kind of like putting on like clothes that we think exemplifies her personality. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, um, you know, for Easter, uh, my husband uh, is a music director in Episcopalian Church, one of his many jobs. He's a jack of all trades, really. <laughs> and so I was like having a hard time finding pants outfits for her because, again, it's the whole got to get her naked in order mm-hmm. to you know, change her. And so I was like, you know, we should just do a dress. And my husband's just like, she doesn't like dresses. We're not going to put her in a dress. Our compromise, we got her a nice little cotton dress with dinosaurs on it. <laughs> so if it Precious. has something cool on yeah, it. Yeah. And so like, we've been going more for practicality. Yeah. My kid is a climber. Like she's really messy. I mean, she's 15 months. Mm-hmm. Um, So we like try to put her in stuff that like, you know, and there's certain stores that are getting really good at it. Like Target, for example, mm-hmm. has like a lot of like cute girly stuff, but also very practical, like woman empowerment. Like one of the onesies I got there from her was like strong, like mommy, which Aww. I'm like, obviously, uh, <laughs> I got her one in three different sizes. I'm like, you will wear this for nine months straight. <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, it is really difficult. And, you know, Celine Dion actually recently released a gender neutral clothing, oh, but it I was all black that. and white, which is okay. Like, fine. But like the onesies were like $50. Like you are where the kids are on onesie like, They're going to wear for like a month and they grow out of it. Yeah. Like $50, which no. I mean, you know, so I'm not accessible. It's nice in theory, but not very accessible <laughs> well, yeah, for many and, and, people. You know, it's, it's very like... Yeah, it's just not practical for the mm-hmm. average parent. I don't no. even have enough money to drop $50 on me. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, I don't know people who, like, your funds significantly decrease when you have a child. <laughs> and so it's just like, I can't, like, afford to spend money on something that's going to. No. Uh, but no, Target is doing a really good job of it in particular. We do buy some old Navy stuff. But in the grand scheme of things, we've been trying to keep it, like, if it's girly, it's practical. And, like, you know, even little things like jean sizes are cut differently when babies are built the same. Like, it's... Yes. It's we so... don't have gendered bodies except for one part. Which, I mean, it. it's like, but yeah. in terms of, like, their growth, like, traditionally speaking, like baby boys are a teeny bit bigger just because they grow at a different rate. Mm-hmm. So like 18 month old, like jammies 
for a boy are slightly bigger than the ones for a girl. But other than that, it's really, you know, so yeah, it's been really hard to navigate, but I'm looking forward to when uh, my daughter is old enough to tell me what she likes. And then that way it just takes the guesswork away from me Mm -hmm. though. If she's into frilly girly stuff, I'm going to be like, you can't wear that when you're playing out in the mud, honey. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta have the mud playing clothes. too. (laughs) So I'm, Kind of curious to hear a little bit about how the conversations went with your husband when you kind of were coming into your non-binary identity yeah. and sexual orientation. So um, I met my husband. Technically, we met on OkCupid, but I actually um, I met him before, like a year and a half prior. My friend uh, had a friend who was hosting a comedy show at the Gallery Cabaret. And she was, we had nothing better to do on a Saturday. We we're like, well, you want to go to like a show? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I heard he's funny. Cool. And so we go and I am like decked out in my leather jacket. Like I have my buzz cut, like punk rock to the nines. <laughs> and it's packed. And except for two seats next to this guy and this girl. And so I tapped the guy on the shoulder and I was like, hey, are these seats taken? And he's like, no, they're not. They're empty. And so I sit next to the guy. My, my friend sits next to me. The guy was my husband. <laughs> um, and the funny thing is we were running errands and he was telling this joke. And I'm like, yeah, I heard that joke before I was there. And, you know, the gallery count for well, You like, didn't even know. We didn't even know. Oh, and wow. well, because he looked very different okay. um, in the year and a half, um, he was balding. So he shaved his head and he like got muscular. And so he looked completely different. Wow. And also I wasn't really paying attention too much yeah. to him because I was with my friend and I didn't really care. But we were talking about this joke and he looks at me like with these big eyes. He's like, you're the punk rock girl. And I'm like, excuse me. And he was That's just so like, cute. he tapped me on the shoulder asking me if the seat was taken. He was with the girl that he was dating at the time. And wow. he's like, he was, lo- he looked at me on occasion throughout the whole night. He's like, that punk rock girl's real cute. So cute. And so, yeah, he married the punk rock girl. But um, so in my OkCupid profile, I, you know, it said that I'm not very feminine. I'm bisexual. And then, like, again, you know, when you're bisexual on OkCupid, you have to, you know, kind of state your terms and conditions. Like, if you're polyamorous or not, I'm not personally. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're open to threesomes. Not personally, mm-hmm. but like you have to outline it. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you get a lot of like, especially when you put the bisexual over. Yeah, going to make those assumptions a lot. Of the time. Yeah, yeah, or like you get a lot of. So my husband and I are thinking about exploring things in the bedroom, and you are really cute. So and like, listen, I'm all for like <laughs> couples exploring themselves, but like. If I could roll my eyes any further back. <laughs> yeah, like, you probably got a migraine doing yeah. it, right? <laughs> yeah, and so so I put it on there, and um, I it was funny because I thought he was really cute on his pictures, and in his profile, he was like, he's like, oh, fun fact, I have six pianos, and my pickup line was, was one of them a guitar? It's not. I actually almost bought him a guitar, except they're $300, and that's a lot of money to spend oh, wow. on novelty. And so he kind of knew what my gist was before he met me. He had a lot of questions because he never dated a bisexual person before. You know, like, and, you know, one of those, like, okay, like, you know, if we were to get serious, like, would that be, like, an issue in terms of sexuality? I was honest with him about it. When, and it it was interesting because I was coming to terms with um, the fact that I'm non-binary 
before we actually got married when we were still engaged when I was doing the whole shopping for the dress thing mm. and I said to my husband I'm like I might want to wear a suit and he's just like can we match if you wear a suit and I'm like obviously That's we can match. That's such a great response. That is really really cute. <laughs> wow. Um, I'm going to want to see a wedding picture now. Uh, well I ended up getting a dress which totally went against everything but it was a really pretty dress and mm-hmm. even when I put it on now I still feel like a dream in it. Oh that's um, great. That's how you should But that's it. like my one and done in terms of dresses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but he was so open to it though. He was, oh yeah, my god. Like, he yeah, was whatever great. you want. Yeah no he um my husband has a lot of feminine qualities about him, even though he's cis hetero and he's very comfortable with himself and his sexuality. So my masculine parts, he really loves about me mm-hmm. and which kind of made us an excellent fit because yeah. I don't think I could have married a man with a lot of machismo. My husband just doesn't give a shit. He's just like, he is who he is. Like, you know, he's a teacher. He also is like the cook in our family. It's an inside joke that the only time I touch the stove is to clean it. But no, and so when I started coming out as non-binary, I had a conversation with him. I'm like, honey, like, I think I'm non-binary. And he's like, okay, well, what does that mean to you? And I told him, and he's like, okay, well, how can I support you? And I'm like, you know, I kind of want to do a post on Facebook about it. I'm really nervous. He was like, was rubbing my back the entire, like, come out post. And he was just like, do you need me to go to therapy with you? Like, what what do we need for this family? And... No, how, he was good. I, I'm sorry. My it's head goes to like who a, raised oh him? Like goodness. how did he become like, such a like well-rounded, you know, individual think, like that? Because that I feel like I would never expect. Never that in my life have I had anybody. No, do that. Like, just ever. like know so, what like, to say and like, know that ever. He was amazing. Like parents, <laughs> I can get like emotional thinking about it because yeah. he was just like. You know, and he asked questions. He's just like, are you trans and are you going to transition? Because if you are, then we have to have different conversations about like Mm -hmm. what that means for his family. I'm like, no, I'm not trans. I'm just non binary. Mm -hmm. And this is what it means and yada, yada, yada. And he's just like, all right. You know, and he's just like, I love and support you, obviously. Like, you're the person I married. You're no different than you were like 30 minutes ago. And he also said to me, he's like, you know, I kind of had a feeling, but I wanted to wait until you came to me about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And since I came out, it just hasn't been a thing. Like, he's phenomenal. He's just great. Like, you know, he wants to take our daughter when she's old enough to drag queen story hour. But yeah, so yeah. He, he was incredibly, he's incredibly supportive. And, you know, he when I told him that I was doing this, he was like so excited for me. Nice. He's like, you're going to do great. Like he read my story when I finished it. He like would, you know, leading up to while I was writing it, um, he would like take the baby out on ventures so I could write at home and not have to like worry about anything. Wonderful. My husband is absolutely incredible. I am incredibly lucky. That's great. <laughs> I just want to say. Before we like get too deep into this, I am very emotional <laughs> right now. <laughs> Not because like it's it's bad. I like there's two. I have two feelings right now. Like I'm very emotional because I feel like this is like so cool. You have, a, you have like an amazing partner who's just like immediately supportive of mm-hmm. everything you do. Mm-hmm. And I'm mad that I'm so emotional because this should be normal, <laughs> right? Like it should be fucking normal. Like you should have a partner that hears you and. If it, even if it's not immediately, just, like, takes time to, like, hear you and, like, mm-hmm. just sit and listen to yeah. you and, like, want to help you be better or want to help you be as true to yourself as you can. Right. Yeah. And I'm really, really glad that you're telling the story because I want people to understand that this should be a normal thing. Like, you should be able mm-hmm. to go into a relationship and understand that you're going to a healthy relationship. Yeah. And that the person that you're going to be with is trying to, like, be better with you. Yeah. Like, even if it's not, like to be with you it's even for themselves like 
at the end of the day, you're still like your own person. Yeah. And you're going to be that person regardless of not, regardless of you being with that other person or not. And if that other person right. is going to be with you throughout that stage or not, it's just like having that partner is just like so important. And your story is just so important. Thank <laughs> you. Thank like you. you're going to have an amazing life. Your kid's going to be amazing. <laughs> like, like everything yeah. about this is so amazing. Thank you. Thank no, you so much. <laughs> I've had, and you know, I've had partners that would like, like fetishize my bisexuality yeah. and just be like, oh, you're into girls. Right. And then, you know, I would, I have, you know, been involved with women that are just like, oh, so you dated dudes. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, you know, bisexuality. And, you know, when I say bisexuality, I include, include our trans folks as well. You know, with me, it, it was literally never about like the presentation or mm-hmm. like the body parts. It was always about energy to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Um, you know, and, I I touch upon this in my story that like figuring that out about myself was a very painful experience. And, you know, and and just kind of being like, you know, I don't fit in the straight space because I'm not straight and it makes me uncomfortable. And I'm not sure if I fit in the queer space either because I'm attracted to guys. And, you know, I was femme presenting for a really long time. And now I'm as neutral as I can humanly possibly (laughs) be, which makes me very happy. Uh, And, you know, and so that was really challenging. But to have somebody who sees me as me mm-hmm. and you know it, it was actually really cute too because when I came out as non-binary he's like so do I still call you my wife do I call you my spouse oh, like which one is it and he's like does Sadie call you her mommy still or do we have to come up with another word so I still go by mommy and I still go by wife and I said you know it's kind of like a term of endearment for me. The feminine aspect of it doesn't really bother me too much because there is a small part of me that's still feminine. But also, it's just like, you know, when I hear my husband be like, hey, wife, like this, that, and the other thing, my heart's just like, (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's what matters. Yeah. Well, we are at the time to hear your story. Okay, perfect. to hear what you're going to tell us today. Thank you. After breaking up with my college boyfriend, I sought the guidance of an internet psychic who suggested I embrace my divine feminine in order to move on. Your energy is too masculine, she said. That's what drew him away, and that's what will keep future lovers away, too. So I'm not girly enough, I asked. Your energy is not feminine enough. You're too bold and assertive. Your energy needs to be light and nurturing, not gruff and daunting. You scared him away, and you're scaring potential partners away, too. Back then, if I made a list of things that were divine to me, my femininity would not have been one of them. Growing up, girlishness always felt performative. I remember being a small child and liking the big poofy cupcake dresses of the early 90s because it gave me attention. My parents divorced around that time, so any extra attention I could get made me feel secure and loved. As I grew, I found myself diverging from that aesthetic, opting for clothes that I could get dirty in that allowed me more movement. Instead of engaging in the social norms of my early adolescence, I'd recluse myself to draw, write stories, and listen to Alanis Morissette. My first celebrity crushes were Scary Spice, Sporty Spice, Brandon Boyd of Incubus, and Tim Curry in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. (laughs) I was called a tomboy by my father who had custody of me, and my mother assured him in the rare circumstance they spoke to each other that I would grow out of it. She was a tomboy when she was younger, and after all, she turned out just fine. I didn't grow out of it. And my lack of words to describe who and what I was, plus the adults in my life refusing to believe me, led for some pretty painful teenage years. When I hung up the phone with that internet psychic, I decided I had enough. I thought that if finding love meant I would have to connect with my feminine side, a side that I didn't have or really have that much to begin with, then I would never find love and I would have to be okay with that. 
Except I wasn't, and I kept looking at for places that love would never be in. In a man that was moving to South Korea, a polyamorous lesbian in the bathroom of a bar, someone who choked me during sex without my permission and kept doing it when I asked him to stop. There were half relationships with men who only told me they were legally separated from their spouses while we were breaking up, and women who couldn't get past the bisexual thing. Pick a side, they said. I slept with my husband on our first date because after years of these fruitless relationships and toxic thinking on my part, I was certain I would, it would push him away. But it didn't, and I knew I wanted to marry him a week after we met. It was early January, and as we woke in his queen-size bed, I could see the snow falling softly outside. It was the first time I had felt like I had fit anywhere. He loved my masculine energy and said to me that being bisexual meant he had to beat out twice as many people to get me. We spent the months that followed sharing small plates at dinner and watching RuPaul's Drag Race. We made coffee in the morning and gin cocktails at night. I'd read him my writing, and I loved to hear him sing. A month before our wedding, I found out I was pregnant. The one thing I quickly noticed about pregnancy and motherhood is that the idea is very pink. It's perfectly stylized maternity shots and cute curated awkward mishaps. It's gender reveal parties and getting oh honeyed because you put your keys in the freezer. It's birth plans, organic free-range kale, mommy blogs, and a modern cursive script. It isn't non-binary or bisexual. It doesn't have sharp edges or swear novelties, nor would it ever have the audacity to sneeze as loudly as you do. Pink is the ideal, softness is the goal. From the get, you are expected to radiate as though your, your unborn spawn is a beam of light and you are the sun. But I was less solar and more flickering ray of flatter, uh, fluorescent waiting in line at the DMV. I was down for the purpose, but I was confused and made nervous by the process. How could I participate in the most feminine and natural thing when I'm not really feminine myself and only sort of a woman to begin with? This crisis grew stronger when I found out I was having a girl. Great, I thought, raising a girl when I can't even grow, grow myself. The first months of motherhood were hard in ways that they tell you. The lack of sleep, the constant feedings, and more importantly, the lack of sleep. Before I brought my daughter home from the hospital, I nearly suffocated her trying to breastfeed. In terms of my own autonomy, there is nothing in the world I hate more than breastfeeding. It was painful and incessant and felt incredibly unnatural to me. I sought the advice of other mothers on the internet who told me to keep trying and it'll get better and soon you'll love it and breast is best, they said. Some even equated formula to giving your newborn McDonald's. But I couldn't do it. I cried every time I had to do it. I didn't want my child to equate eating to me being upset, so I had my husband go to the store and get formula. The first time he fatted her, I felt like I was giving her poison. I was afraid I would never feel the connection that everyone said I would get by breastfeeding. I did, though. While I loved her deeply even before she was born, I didn't feel that connection until she was around five months old. Her dad was food shopping, and in the last-stitch effort to entertain her during a fussy period, I pulled out a small container of bubbles and started blowing them over her head. She began to kick and giggle, looking at me with such delight as though I opened up a new portal to her world. Something clicked in me that day. I was so caught up in trying to be this maternal ideal that I didn't realize that while the culture of motherhood is ultra-feminine, its two key components, love and nurturing, are non-binary. I don't need to be anyone other than who I am in order to best serve myself and my family. Just because societal standards of parenthood are set to these unattainable and unrealistic ideals doesn't mean that I have to abide by them. I don't use internet psychics anymore, but if I could talk to the one from long ago, I would give her a benchmark list my, of my divinity having coffee with my husband in the morning, my daughter's head on my chest while I run my fingers through her hair, waking up sandwiched between two of my three cats, the third one doesn't go in our bedroom, a really good poem, the soft sound of falling snow, waves crashing on a beach in the northeast, my garden, a concert, feeling the wind rush past my face when I'm biking, family dinners with my friend and our spouses, long distance phone calls over wine, my femininity, of course, is still not one of them. Such a fucking cool mom. <laughs> <laughs> so 
lucky. Thank like, you. you are a cool mom. Not like Mean Girls cool, but like actually cool. <laughs> <laughs> what the listeners couldn't see is like that beginning part, your conversation with the psychic, like my jaw just dropped. I was like, that's so offensive yeah. and so terrible to say to somebody. Yeah. And I could only imagine what that felt like to hear that. Yeah, well, I had just broken up with my ex, you know, and I mean, him and I are, I wouldn't say friends because we live in different states and we don't talk a whole lot, but we're acquaintances and like we want the best for each other. And it was just the people that we are and were back then. It was just never Mm -hmm. going to work to begin with. And, you know, he ultimately after, you know, like you have those breakups that take a lot longer than they actually should, where you should just cut it off to begin with and call it a day, but you just drag it out because you're too afraid to let go. Mm -hmm. It was one of those. And so he ended up leaving me for another woman. Uh, and you know, she was, she looked like Kate Middleton and she was like really girly. He's no longer with her, but like, I was still like comparing myself to this girl and I was Mm -hmm. like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? You know? And you know, my mother who was alive at the time, she was telling me, she's like, you know, sometimes it just doesn't work out. Sometimes that's the way the shit falls. And like, you know, that doesn't mean that you're unlovable, but like, you don't, sometimes when you're like 22, 23 or four years old, you don't want to hear something coming from your mom because she's still wrong about everything. So, but yeah, so I was just like, what do I do? Like, is there's this spiritual thing? And just being told that I wasn't girly enough. Mm -hmm. And, you know, around that time, like, you know, I, I was transitioning and I was still living in Massachusetts and I was just starting. How do I say this? Has any, do either of you follow tarot at all or like into tarot cards? Kind of. Yeah. I was yeah. the tower card, meaning like everything was falling down for me to build up later. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was in like this deconstructive, but also a reconstructive period in my life. And I think what I was just desperately looking for was for somebody to be sensitive to that. Um, and I didn't get that. And so it ended up uh, creating a couple years of self lo- self-loathing that I didn't come out of until my late 20s, and I'm in my early 30s now. So that's a long time to hate yourself. Do you feel that your upbringing kind of influenced how you came into your identity? Yeah, I mean, in many ways, yes. Um, though I don't think that was the intention, you know, in those days, like, I mean, I'm sure my parents knew what gay was, but it wasn't mainstream. And, you know, I back then, I know, like, when you're more masculine, they call you a tomboy. It's a blanket term. They just assume mm-hmm. that you're just a tomboy and you'll be into soccer one day and call it. And that's and I didn't have the language to speak to my dad about it. Before my mom died, I actually told her that I was bisexual, which she was very conservative and, you know, she was very loving about it and she's just like okay like you know she said to me and it was very brave of her to say she's like you know I'm sad that I will not meet you know your husband or your children and I said well mom I'm bisexual so it might be a wife she was like well then I'm sad that I won't meet your wife so she which shocked the absolute shit out of me because she was very conservative and so for her to like be like okay well I love you um but it's still like there wasn't I was very I was very shy and I was very introverted and I didn't really like talking to my dad about my feelings because he's, he wasn't very emotional back then. He is now. I mean, something about, you know, men when they age, I guess, at least with my father, he was very like strict and regimented and now he's like full on grandpa. So he's like feelings for days. So I think I was just too scared to talk about it because it was like an emotional thing and my dad didn't do well with feelings. So yeah, there just really wasn't space to explore that. And I didn't feel like I was given any any love to explore myself emotionally you know given that my parents got divorced early on 
my dad had me go to a therapist. And so the therapist, weekly therapist, was where I talked about my feelings. And that's kind of where it started and ended. And I think it was because he didn't really know how to talk about feelings. And he actually said to me later in life, he was just like, I wish I did that better for you. I could have been more emotionally present. I'm sorry. I just didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but in terms of my sexual identity, even after I came out on Facebook, him and my stepmom haven't talked about it. They haven't asked me any questions. I don't know if that's them accepting it. Um, I don't know if they just didn't read it, which is shocker because everybody read it. But, you know, I, I've i been thinking about, like, what I want them to take away from it. And I'm kind of at a point where it's just like, well, it's out there. And if you want to talk about it, you can talk about it. But if you don't want to talk about it, then I got shit to do. <laughs> and, you know, they're like, and if you can't accept that part of me, that's fine because I have so many people that do and I feel so loved where I'm at right now in a way that I never thought possible. So you mentioned breastfeeding and how that you had an issue with that. I know that a lot of mothers shame like other mothers who don't like breastfeed. So how did you end up navigating that finally getting comfortable with using formula? Yeah. So I actually kind of did it little by little. Um, I I pumped for a while and I hated that too because it was just as emotional. So I always got pleasure by having my breasts touched. And so for the concept of having a child rely on it for food just really skeeved me out, even though I know like it's natural and it's wonderful. And I'm completely in, in support of anybody who does it. I think it's great, you know, but I, but like when I would say to people, I'm like, oh, I don't breastfeed. They're like, oh, you couldn't. I'm like, no, I can I just don't like to. Well, why not? And that should have ended the conversation Mm -hmm. because there's so many women and so many, you know, people that have physically had children who, who don't want to do it, who just straight up don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. And they're shamed because of it. Um, And it, it was really hard to navigate. I did beat myself up over it for a long time. And, you know, I had a really big bout of postpartum depression, like real bad, um, that I, thankfully saw a wonderful therapist for, you know, and just trying to, what I, what I actually ended up doing that made me feel better was I reached out to the older mothers that I knew and I talked about it and they were just like, man, back in the nineties, we did formula and look at y'all, you turned out fine. So like sure. do what's best for you because they're in motherhood. There is such this emphasis on like giving everything you absolutely can to your child to the point where you almost kill yourself to do it. And some of the best that I got advice that I got was from these older mothers that were just like, you are still here and you have to take care of number one too. So like, yes, give everything to your child, but what's going to happen when your daughter is 18 years old and you're going to look at yourself in the mirror and not know who you are. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not okay. Like in order, you cannot drink from an empty cup. You have to keep pulling, you have to keep pouring stuff into your cup Mm -hmm. and you have to do what's right for you. And your sanity is so important when it comes to motherhood. And so what I ended up just doing, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like formula is good. My daughter is growing. She's healthy. She's happy. She's fed. I stayed off the mommy blogs for a while. And, you know, now my daughter, she drinks whole milk. And and ultimately, though, I like to those mothers that are like have shamed me about not breastfeeding, like all of our kids eat their own boogers and Cheerios off the floor. Like even yours, organic Karen, like, right? <laughs> like my kids tried cat food before. Like I'm not proud of that, but toddlers are little animals. And it's just like, they're, you know, like 
it's just parenting's kind of a crapshoot. Like, yeah. it's really hard. And, like, also, like, why are we tearing each other down? Mm-hmm. Like, just because you wouldn't make one choice doesn't mean it's not – that choice is not good for my family. Like, I thankfully had, you know, these mothers – these friends of mine who had their children around the same time as me and the conversation that we had about breastfeeding was awesome. And some of them did half and half, some of them exclusively breastfed. And I'm like, imagine that a conversation about feeding your child where we don't shame one another. If you went on the internet, you wouldn't be able to tell. You know, I think people, when they are in the throes of something chaotic as having children, because when you have a child, either via conception or adoption, it's like one day you are your own autonomous person and then the other day you are entirely responsible for this human being and even if you're the person that's growing it it's still like the change is so drastic and I think everybody I think people kind of default to like tearing each other down to make themselves feel better about the choices they're making but in reality that doesn't do anybody any favors and at the end of the day it you're not making yourself feel better about yourself. You're not making yourself feel better about your choices. If you really want to feel better about your choices bringing your team you know, if you're really feeling that insecure, talk to your pediatrician, talk to your doctor, talk to your therapist, talk to your close friends, talk to your partner if you have one. But don't tear other people down because we're all in this together and we're just fighting the good fight. And, you know, sometimes parenting can be really lonely and desolate, especially early on. Like with me, I had postpartum. I tore when I gave birth to my daughter, so my stitches didn't heal right. And, um, you know, I was at home on maternity leave in the dead of winter. And so I couldn't go out, had to worry about keeping my newborn safe from the flu and like literally everything else because they don't have immune systems when they're fresh out the womb. And like, it was a really dark place for me. And it's, you know, it's just like, it was really hard to navigate those shamers. But ultimately, like, I ended up using my knowledge for the greater good because I had a friend who was having, or I think it was she just was having difficulty and she didn't really like breastfeeding. And she's like, I don't know if I should go to formula. I'm like, if you want to do it, if you need to do it, regardless of the reason, you should do it. Do what's best for your family. And so now I hope my hope is that if there are any people listening that are struggling with breastfeeding or that are, you know, just don't want to do it because they just don't do what you got to do. Take care of yourself. And the best way you can take care of your family is by taking care of yourself mentally. So true. Sorry, that's just like a big sweet spot for, or like pressure point for me because it's just, it, there was a ton of shaming about it. <laughs> you know, it's definitely why I ask because I hear that a lot. Like I hear it a lot. Like mm-hmm. new moms who only breastfeed just are just like, you have to use, you have to do breastfeeding. You can't use formula if you don't use breastfeeding that you don't leave love your kid all of this so it was funny um so at the easter service at my husband's church i was rocking rocking my daughter she was asleep in my arms and you know she was like this fat pudgy little baby (laughs) and this woman who i have never seen in my life before comes up to me and she's like oh that looks like a breastfed baby and i'm like she's not but what makes you say that? Because she's healthy? Mm-hmm. Like, she's healthy because I got really lucky. Right. Like, and, she couldn't be otherwise, right? Yeah. Like, what what, what do formula-fed babies look like? Emaciated? Like, this, uh, my child yeah. is well-fed and well-loved. Yeah. Like, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's interesting how, like, motherhood and pregnancy are one of those other things where people feel like it's okay to make such personal comments or ask such personal questions. Yeah. That you wouldn't ask 
a person that you don't know generally. You wouldn't go up and ask such a personal question, but it's another one of those identities where people think like it's okay and it's their business for some reason. You know, and my philosophy on that too is that unless you are going to be helpful, like mm-hmm. actually helpful, like if you see like a per- like a parent whose child is having a meltdown in the supermarket and you can't physically help, at least give the I feel you look because if you're going to be judgmental, then leave your comments to yourself. Like nobody has perfect kids. Kids are unpredictable and kids are amazing and wonderful, but they're challenging. And like, if you're going to sit there and be judgmental, then like, sorry, we don't have time for you because like, you really think that poor parent needs your negativity right now. No, no. Unless you're going to build them up, walk away. Well, I mean, with you coming out, not even just once, just multitude of times. How did you end up having this discussion with, I guess you can't because she's still really young, but how, what, how do you foresee yourself having this discussion with your daughter? You know, I think that, I mean, my husband and I have talked about it. I think there's going to be a, a couple questions, you know, when she's like three or four years old. My hope is that we find a way to just kind of integrate it into her existence. So like... There doesn't have to be like a conversation conversation about it. But if there does, if there is, just explain to my daughter that, you know, gender expression is a spectrum and some people express their gender in the way that they were assigned at birth and others don't. And sometimes people switch and it's all about how they feel inside. And then in terms of sexuality, explain my sexuality is a, you know how like when you really like somebody, you want to hold hands with them. Well, before mommy went met daddy, she wanted to hold hands with boys and girls and then she ended up meeting daddy and wanted to hold his hand exclusively. And that was, and that's the way I'll explain my sexuality. And I'll just explain, you know, and, and the way that it stands is that people can hold hands with whoever makes them happy to hold hands with. So if you meet a girl that you want to hold hands with, then you should be able to hold hands with that person if they want to hold hands with you. If you meet a boy and you two want to hold each other's hands, if one day you want to hold a boy's hand and one day you want to hold a a girl's hand, that's fine too. So just kind of explain it to her. And I I want to normalize it as early as possible because my husband has an aunt who's trans. Um, And then with me being queer, like it runs in her family. So the likelihood of my daughter having those type of questions is pretty high. And even if it wasn't like, I want to normalize it to the point where if she tells me, you know, mom, I'm a lesbian, like it's not a coming out. Like it doesn't, it, it's not a thing. We actually, um, you know, my husband and I were pretty proactive in terms of naming our daughter. We gave her a gender neutral middle name. And so our philosophy is if we have more children, one of their names will always be gender neutral, just in case, you know, they decide they don't like their name or like, you know, they have a different gender expression that we want to give them room to explore that. And I mean, who knows? They like my daughter could have a different gender expression, be like, I hate my middle name. I want to be called something else, which is totally okay. (laughs) But yeah, we we want to integrate it in a way that, you know, by the time she's old enough to actually start thinking about it, that it's just not a thing. Yeah. Um, and that she feels comfortable with it. Because I know that when I explored who I was, it was a very painful process. And I just really want her to have fun, like mm-hmm. figuring out who she is. Because life can be fun if you play 
with your identity, right. you know, and you like, oh, I really like that shirt in the boys section, but I want to pair it with a skirt. Cool. Let's do it. Like, yeah. oh, I really like this hairstyle. I really like this hair color. Like, okay, cool. Like, if you want to get your ears pierced, we'll go to a t- like a reputable place, not Claire's. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I just want her to explore herself and have fun with it, you know, yeah. and, and that's a really big thing that I learned on my journey. And I, my goal has always been since the moment I got pregnant that whatever pain I received in my life resulting from my upbringing, it stops here, that I'm not going to pass it on to my daughter. And I will do literally whatever it takes to not pass it on to my daughter. Like I went back in therapy, I started meds for my depression, which have saved my life and they are great. Like, you know, I have started being honest with myself about my feelings and what my needs are. And I want to live by example for her. But yeah, so and that that's a really big thing with me is that, you know, my pain stops with me. And of course, she's going to have pain in her life, but I don't want it to originate in the home. Absolutely not. Our home is going to be a place of growth and a place of love and a place of opportunity and a place of fun and a place of security and safety. But it will not be a place of contention. It will not be a place where my daughter does not feel like she can't be who she is. It's so beautiful. (laughs) And I love your very simplistic way of explaining bisexuality and just like sexual fluidity to her because it's good to have that like language ready at a younger age, like you said, like at a younger age, you don't have to wait till they're like pre-puberty and wait until they're a certain age. I feel like you said making it part of that normal conversation and that just normalizing it across all aspects, I think is so important. Yeah. And my husband and I are very lucky um, to know a lot of queer and wonderful people and all different kinds of people. You know, we have what we call like our aunties and uncles, which are technically not like biologically related but we don't see our siblings on a regular basis anyway because they all live out of state so like i think my my daughter's biggest tragedy with any luck will be finding out that one of her aunts is not actually not her aunt they're not related (laughs) but like for example you know a lot of my close friends have different sexual orientations and have different gender orientations um you know on my husband's side two of his best friends are a married gay couple and so like She's very closely exposed mm-hmm. to the queer lifestyle already. And so, yeah, it's just already in her life. And, yeah. you know, I think that and, and my husband is a teacher. And one thing that, you know, and he's done a lot of childhood development is that sexuality and gender identity, like the concept is not hard for kids to grasp. Right. Um, he had a situation where you know, one student came out as trans and that student wanted to be called by a a different name and all the kids just started calling them by that name and that was it. Mm -hmm. And they were young. They were like fourth, fifth grade and that was just kind of, okay, that's what they want to be called. These are their pronouns. All right. You know, and Mm -hmm. no questions asked. Like I hate my my biggest gripe about some parents is just like, well, how do I explain lesbianism to a kid? I'm like, well, if you can create an elaborate story about Santa Claus, Right. <laughs> then you can explain sexuality to your child. <laughs> like, Yeah, you're not explaining sex to them at a young age. You're explaining attraction and interests. And, and yeah. You don't have to make – I feel like in the parent's head, like, their fear is, like, I have to make it sexual. It doesn't have to be sexual. No, I mean, there there's a time where you start making it sexual, like, yeah. or have sexual conversations. Yeah. And then, like, if you don't have the tools necessary to – 
have those conversations, there is a thing called Google now. It's great. Mm-hmm. Our parents didn't have that growing up. So right. like use it. There's YouTube. There is YouTube. Great. There's there, even stuff for kids on YouTube. There is this, I forget who does it, but there is this great um, queer kids show. I forget the person's name who runs it. And I think they're a non-binary person, but they talk about like gender and sexuality mm-hmm. in a way that young children can grasp it. And it's fabulous like you should be having those age-appropriate conversations with your kids because here's the thing like you know they're gonna grow up and figure it out anyway and you know the bias gets inherited like if you raise your child to like you know hate and be scared of certain types of people then they're gonna carry that on and it's only gonna make the problem worse um and so or, or what if like that kid is that thing that you hate so much then you know i mean it's you have to love your children. Like you have to do what you can to make sure that your children feel loved and supported and you have to accept who they are. Like and you have to give them the tools necessary to navigate through complicated things. Like when you sign up to be a parent regardless of which way you do it, that's what you sign up for. And you know, I I I know too many friends that, you know, came out and their relationship with their parents is complicated and to them I say, "I'm your mom now." And you can come over for holidays and I will buy you birthday presents and take care of you and you are loved. You know, it's everyone needs to feel like they have that space where they're just accepted and loved. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, my husband and I we have kind of decided that our home will be like our the like it will be the home for our daughter's wayward friends. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't feel like you're getting something you need at your house my kids' friends can come over for dinner anytime. Like, we're going to be that house. We feel like that's important for kids to have those spaces. Yeah. So, Is, is your... Yeah. I have a question. Yeah, yeah. go is for it. Is your little one as obsessed with Baby Shark as I am? She is. Yes. She is so obsessed with Baby Shark. Um, <laughs> I should have known you were going to, like, fit that in somewhere. That's literally the first thing I thought of when she mentioned she had a kid. I'm like... Ah. You were holding that until the end. She is so obsessed with Baby Shark. Her one of her first words was Babby because Babby Shark. She used to call it Babby Shark. Babby Shark. Um, my husband hates Baby Shark. I'm like whatever, but but yeah, she is obsessed. She also loves anything musical. So she is. I've introduced her to Lizzo. Uh, She loves Good as Hell. Oh yeah. Um, she's really into the music in Steven Universe. Oh my god, yes. She loves Holland Oats. Ah, wow. So You are the coolest mom ever. That's great. Yeah. It's so awesome. <laughs> Getting them started young, you know? Absolutely. Right? <laughs> Steven Universe is like the best kid show to amplify and talk about queerness ever. It's so great. Like ever. It's so great. My it's, husband and I are like obsessed. It's so good. Yeah. Like awesome. It's if I ever that... have kids, they're going to watch TV Universe. <laughs> yeah. It's just, like, so encompassing of everything. Oh, my God. It's, it's... not even, like, in your face, either. It's just, like, there. Yeah. Just, and, like, that's the way it, and that's the way it should be. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Bring your kid over, and we can sing Baby Shark all the time. I would love to do that. Stop. You would be her best friend. Stop. You would literally oh, be her best friend. We need a video of that. <laughs> <laughs> that, would be, that would be really cute. For your episode clip, it's just you and your daughter. Me and your daughter are singing Baby Shark. She yes. would love that. <laughs> She's so She musical. would love that. I would love that. I would love that a lot, actually. I'm like freaking out right now because that would be amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, okay, cool. 
So it's shameless promo time. Yeah. Please talk about all of the awesome things you do. Okay. Yeah. So I used to write a lot and then I had a kid and then I fell off the face of the earth for a while, but I'm starting to get back into it (laughs) and I am happy to get back into it with you guys. So thank you for having me on. Um, I don't have anything coming up just yet, but the summer is approaching and I know Mm -hmm. a lot of people in the lit scene. So I'm going to make some connections and hope that um, something can come to fruition. You can find my writing. It's just random musings I have typically about parents at indefinitelyjust.com. Um, I also make candles and they're really sassy. Uh, and you can find them at etsy.com slash shop slash I descent spelled I-D-I-S-S-C-E-N-T. Cute. <laughs> I want a sassy candle. I'll get you a sassy candle. They smell really good. They're soy. Why are they uh, sassy? Because they are called sassy things. They're called like, one of them's called Nope. <laughs> nice. The oh. other one's called Unfuck Yourself. Oh. And then I have one I called Get It. So, yes. Yeah. We'll check that Sassy out. Candles. Thank you. <laughs> That's great. Thank you so much for being Thank here. Thank you for having me on. This was wonderful. Yes. Yes. <laughs> hey, thank Yay. you. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Beyond Queer Stories. Also, check out the creator of our podcast music, B. Studwell. She's an incredible queer artist from D.C., and you can check out her music at bestedwell.com. If you're listening to us on iTunes, don't forget to rate us so others will be able to find our podcast. Talk, Talk to you all, all next week. week. Next time on Beyond Queer Stories. And we'll just, like, you know, be reborn into, like, plasma and, like, stars. Plasma? And just, it won't matter. Okay. Yeah. Plasma is the stuff in our blood, right? Mm, I'm thinking more, like, plasma, like, so hot, like, Lava, like, oh, like that. Okay. Yeah. I'm thinking like that plasma, but okay. also yes, you are correct. <laughs> I'm hoping that is that the case because that would be really weird. It's like there. I mean, you could go <laughs> I super what... like meta and like think the plasma in our blood might be in its own universe, and Ooh, we don't even know. Uh, that would be a good like story to right? tell. I would do that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what physical form my flesh prison takes. Bye. Bye.